Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Questionably Qualified podcast covering Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm John Truxus, and we're back with the four-person podcast because it worked so well last time. Uh, so we'll start with the, the most experienced Game of Thrones member, uh, Mr. Ryan Maddock. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Truck. How are uh, you doing tonight? Good, good. I think we all have our libations of choice uh, at our at our desks here, or my closet, uh, in my case. So I think we're, we're feeling pretty good as a group. That's true. Um, I do have a delicious glass of rye next to me right now. Perfect. Well done. Uh, we also have the resident squisher expert, Mike Yaks, <laughs> here to uh, to help us out. Mike, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Tigers just put eight runs in in the ninth inning against the lowly Tampa Bay Rays. So there's there's a Venn diagram somewhere of people who listen to this podcast and Tigers fans, but I think well, you asked me how I did, how I'm doing, and that is how I'm doing. Fair enough. All right, and also uh, we met uh, is here with us. So we met. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. I've got some uh, Woodward bourbon whiskey that I got from my brother-in-law, and it's delicious. And I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, so speaking of happy to be here, let's talk about someone who's very happy to be with they, where they are, and that would be Cersei Lannister. Um, <laughs> she may be entirely psychotic. <laughs> That's and... the best transition I've ever even heard. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> We're off to a strong start here, guys. So she's she's certainly descending into uh, genuine madness, much like uh, Eris or any of the other um, Targaryen leaders. So kind of new to see it in a Lannister. But um, in any case, she she masterminded the explosion of the the heavily foreshadowed explosion of the Sept of Baelor this this week. Um, and I, I know that I was the only one on the podcast last week who didn't think that was going to happen. And uh, my reasoning we'll get to in a moment because it's another question after this. Um, but first, I'll, I'll congratulate you guys on predicting that one correctly. But did any of you see the death of Marjorie coming? And uh, go ahead and roll for initiative for who goes first. I uh, did not because I thought she had a role to play. Um, she was starting to be she was showing that she was very good at the game. Uh, she was, you know, could kind of see events happening, and she actually did when she was trapped in with, you know, everybody there, but she just kind of got screwed over there, and that caught me by surprise. So, <laughs> Marjorie's an interesting character because she kind of proves this theory that um, fans of, like, like, people that have, like, kind of, like, read a lot into the books and, like, read a lot into what George has said about the books have which is that basically George originally only planned three books and he only planned the point of view characters from the first books um and basically like it appears that like Marjorie was just a story tool to get the Reach involved and to get them united with Dorn and all of that that appears to be the end of her in the show I'll admit that I agree with Weems like I thought she was going to play a much bigger role than that but um it appears that ultimately you know, after all of her scheming and her, you know, her playing of Tommen, which was just, like, incredible. Like, that scene where she sneaks into, like, a 13-year-old's bedroom and, like, you know, basically, like, it's like, oh, if you, like, solve this problem for me, then, like, we get to be married. Um, like, I kind, of, I, I kind of hoped that all that was going to end in something, but, like, I, to agree with Weems, but I honestly think that it, you know, and this is kind of a theme in, like, the end of this episode that... Um, these kind of ancillary characters might matter less than we originally thought. 
Right. And so I think the, the idea there is that he planned it as a trilogy and then got got kind of caught up in some of these characters and continued writing for them. But uh, but in the end game, they're still not significant, right? Yeah, that's sort of that's kind of been the idea. And I didn't actually agree with it. But I think that Mar- like Marjorie's fate um, it, and like Marjorie and Loris's fate. Um, like, yeah, I think it kind of shows that these these secondary characters actually probably won't have that great of an impact on what we consider to be like the big decisions at the end. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Yax, how about you, man? Did you see Did you see Marjorie going down this week? Uh, I wouldn't say that I would have predicted that, and it's not something where, but it wasn't also like in the same vein. It was I wasn't surprised. I guess I think the biggest thing that kind of. Sh- that I was surprised about is that like the omission of Garland and Willis in the show, you'd think like, all right, well, at least somebody's probably gonna make it from that line because you think that in the books, maybe like the two older siblings have something to do maybe as Mm -hmm. a storyline goes. So, you know, now the whole entire, like their entire family line is done except basically the queen of thorns. So, and it does, it does seem like those those two brothers are entirely omitted from the series, right? That's been confirmed. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I mean, I think we talked about this, that I was looking, kind of trying to find something where it was like, well, have we heard about anything? Like, cause I don't know the series that well, but I mean, in an interview, George R. R. Martin said, you know, he was kind of bummed out that neither of them are going to make an appearance because to him, and we don't know how much this matters. He said, they have a part to play at some point. So right. whatever kind of, whatever that means and whatever that means for kind of how they're going to just smash different plot elements into the plot in the show moving forward, well, I guess is yet to be seen. Yeah, to kind of echo what, what Yax was saying there, I th- I do think that like the Tyrells and the Dornish are just going to basically be, you know, component of uh danny's army x and component of danny's army y which Mm -hmm. um i don't think is how they'll play out in the books and i think maybe would like might go down as like one of the bigger mistakes in the show but i i think that to kind of echo mike's point i kind of think that that's where we're going okay so so the follow-up question i would have to that and mike you touched on this a little bit is even though I was talking previously about how unlikely an alliance of the Lannisters and Tyrells would be. Should we have figured that the Tyrells, that at least Marjorie would be taken off the map entirely? Um, I mean, the only other alternative would be that she and Cersei find some way to get along, uh, you know, peacefully. And honestly, that might be less likely than, especially in the Game of Thrones universe, than them killing off a character people like. I mean, probably not. Uh, we, they're definitely not them like finding a way to get along because Cersei was already kind of crazy, and now she's just elevated to batshit crazy. With the last episode, she was really, really <laughs> pleased with herself when she was waiting for that, waiting for it to blow up. Like yeah. really pleased with herself. Like she had just got like a mani pedi done. For so long. She was going, just like got her hair cut. She was all done up, just just really enjoying life. <laughs> and then brutally murdered, you know, hundred maybe thousand people. I actually have a point here. Um, <laughs> for once, <laughs> first one ever. Thank you, Chuck. Um, 
I don't think that Cersei was any crazier in that last scene than she was in the whole series. Yeah, I agree. Right. It was because her victory was literally in front of her. She was like, all of my enemies went into a room that I can set on fire. Like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Like, Cersei in book one, Cersei at book, like, page one of book one through Cersei at, like, this point, like, she sets that room on fire, right? So the only the only part of this that I would contest, though, is that she seemed utterly unfazed by news of Tommen's suicide. And Cersei in book one kind of has those two, those are her two character traits, is love for her children and hatred for her enemies. And the Descendant of Madness, I think, is symbolized by the fact that she was extremely pleased with what she did to her enemies and mildly ruffled by the fact that her only remaining child killed himself. And I think that's more that's more indicative, I would say, than her, like, if you're gonna say she's now, she's uh, taking over where, like, the Mad King left off, I think that I wouldn't look more at her smiling over, like, defeating her adversaries and going to such lengths that she went to. I think I would look more at the fact that she's kind of like, well, this is just gonna happen. Like, it's been happening. It's like, whatever, fuck it. Like, I'm moving forward. And I think that that's more indicative of a kind of a mad complex than even igniting the sept. Like, you know, I don't know. The, the counter-argument... <laughs> Um, from the Cersei's been batshit crazy since book one, our camp. Um, Tom and dying made her the queen, and she knew that. And she knew she was already the, you know, the ruler of, not the Seven Kingdoms, whatever the hell you can tell, the, the person that gets to sit on the Iron Throne. Whatever's left. Yes, it. that's a better title now. <laughs> like, because the 30 square ruling. miles that is King's Landing. He's just ruling. <laughs> Um, and I do think that's going to be a theme of the next season, which is Cersei's like, I'm the queen, and everyone's going to be like, like who the fuck are you? Um, I don't know. I, I think that... I don't think she's any crazier than she was before. I think that Cersei in book one, like, I think that a, she loved her children, but a large part of it was she viewed them as a vehicle to power, and if her own vehicle to, pow- to ultimate power was in one of her children dying, I'm not even entirely sure Cersei in book one would have given a flying fuck interesting yeah i'll have to i'll have to think about that while i continue the reread um i certainly got the impression that the the love for children part was higher up than that but you might be right i'll have to pay a little more attention um okay so we'll go ahead and move along to other things that were going on um we had we had her trigger man um or trigger child uh who set up a nice uh you know Rube Goldberg Devicean yeah, method Jesus. to ignite the wildfire, that's, which that's seems unnecessarily that is the worst. Catch him, and so so like Lancel would follow him, and he led him exactly to where Lancel might have been able to blow up the yeah. In, if, in Mike Yax's words, that was the fucking worst. If <laughs> if this is how it happens in the books, I will kill myself. It like, won't. That is how that is how sure I am that it will not happen like that. The way it'll yeah. happen in the books is that we'll be reading a chapter from someone else's point of view that like a random like seventh guard, like the seventh member of the King's Guard standing in 
the room where the trial's happening, and he'll get incinerated in flames, and then, like, 400 pages later, we'll learn that, like, Cersei's the queen, like, and not even right. see the ceremony, and she confesses to doing it, and, like, her thoughts. Um, so, so the, other, the other point I wanted to make about this is not only the needless complexity of the trigger. Um, so stupid. Now, I've, I've never been stabbed. Uh, I don't think any of you guys have been stabbed, unless you were and you didn't mention it to me. But if you saw a puddle of wildfire about to go up in a room full of wildfire casks, do you think you could muster enough strength to get up and move quicker towards them? Yeah, I'd I'd be approaching that situation with a lot more urgency than he did. Um, I was a little disappointed in Lancel's slow crawl. (laughs) But but you're missing, like, the ever-important fact. Lancel Lannister is a gigantic fucking pussy. And he's been a gigantic <laughs> fucking pussy since the first, since the beginning of the first book, and he will be, and he was one till his death, and that makes sense to me. I mean, to be honest, he got stabbed by a seven-year-old, <laughs> which exactly. didn't even see that the seven-year-old didn't even put full effort into it. The yeah. seven-year-old was like, "Rump!" Like with the same force that I open a car door with my own arm. And it's a seven-year-old's arm. And somehow he couldn't even, like, walk, which is just mind-blowing to me. Okay, I agree. I just wanted to put that one out there. Um, The seven-year-old's highly dangerous. Um, (laughs) Kyburn Kyburn has militarized children, which (laughs) I didn't see coming. Um, Uh, He's done it, though. It's done. There's a different character in the books who pulls the trigger on... uh, on Kev Dog and uh, and Maester Pycelle. Um, oh, wait, did anyone? It wasn't else... toddlers. <laughs> it, it was not it, toddlers. No, dude, it was fucking toddlers in the book. Are you kidding me? They let him there, but then it was Varys, right? Well, yeah, no, Varys killed them. No, Varys right. like said like attacked them, but it was toddlers that killed them. It was toddlers. That... No, Varys shoots him with a crossbow. Oh, Kevin, yeah, but he has toddlers everywhere. They come out. Yes, but they're not murder toddlers. They're informant toddlers. <laughs> no, but they're like involved That's the little birds. in them. They're they're okay. You're splitting hairs on what murder toddlers are. To find. No, no, I don't think if, if the toddlers are doing the murdering, that's a murder toddler. <laughs> yeah. If the toddlers are just walking to the murder, they're just like toddler watchers, I guess. At that point, exactly. I feel like I'm having a bad Game of Thrones moment because I should be able, I should like know because we're doing a podcast off the top of my head what the right answer is, but I can't. Well, exactly you're questionably qualified, obviously. I'm not that qualified. <laughs> Boom. All I'm saying is that I don't know if a week is enough time to give some kids some candy to start stabbing people for you. Dude, I mean, maybe it's well, just I really think good you candy. Underestimate how fucked up the Dark Ages were, and how much milk of the poppy those kids are on. Exactly. Also to Mike's point. They're not addicted just to candy, they're also addicted to heroin. Yes. Actually, that was going to be a follow-up question. I was wondering if you guys think Kyburn's been tinkering with these children to turn them into murder babies. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. They're never going to say... Pretty concrete yes. I don't think they'll ever affirmatively say it, but, like, of course. Like, Kyburn's likely been addicting them to heroin. And, okay. like, George R. R. Martin would just be like, oh, that, of course, was implied by the subtext. Like, who didn't pick up on that fact? <laughs> that makes me feel a little better, actually, in a terrible way. Because I was just like, man, these little kids are bloodthirsty. Yeah. But, like, no, that's just, like, assumed and will never be acknowledged. 
Fair enough. Just like a bunch of other facts about. I hope series. the the first chapter of the last book is from the point of view of a meth addicted child. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. George R. When the lords play their Game of Thrones. We get high <laughs> on opium. Game of yeah, toddlers. Exactly right. Game of Game toddlers. Game of toddlers. The children are our future. I mean, children of the forest, <laughs> the God. murder toddlers. I'm starting to see a theme here. The phrase meth-addicted toddler killed me. <laughs> and I think I put that on his tombstone because I feel like they should. Okay, so let's let's move on from the stab babies. Um, I'm glad that they're on opium and not just deranged from the start. Um, as odd as that is to say. Um, so, Cersei moves on after uh, getting news about Tommen and uh, has found the lovely Nurse Ratchet that was giving her such a hard time in the Sept when she was in prison. And she proceeds to wine board her. <laughs> I yeah. hated myself for how much I loved that scene. So I thought the scene was great, but I, I think that it's a little... It's a little too off character because I don't think Cersei wastes that much wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. She is I an think alcoholic. It's, it's a little bit too much. It's a little too close to like, I don't know, current events. I would say I don't think ah maybe not. Cersei, no, come on. The, they did pick a current event style, but yeah, Cersei would for sure tor- torture people that like harmed her to death, right? Yeah, like, not with wine, though, is what I'm saying. Uh, I think maybe. she would drink the wine while waterboarding her. So we're going we're gonna to sit here splitting hairs about the way that Cersei tortures people in her capture. Uh, I mean, you're, you're worried about the wine portion. I'm more worried about that now she's basically property of the mountain portion. That's the more messed up part about all this other thing. More no, messed no, up than no, her no. wasting a bit of wine. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That was going to be my next question. Property of the mountain. That was going to be my next question. What? So we met. Let me let me start with you on this one, which is, what, what do we think Zombie Mountain is getting up to in there? Because what? she was screaming a lot. I feel like it's fairly obvious. Pretty obvious. Yes, yeah. he's being a giant death demon. <laughs> yeah, Zombie right? Mountain <laughs> is raping her. Yeah, I think that's uh, fairly that's, obvious. I think the presumption. Yeah. Can Zombie <laughs> Mountain do that? How could he not? He's a zombie. He has no blood flow. Okay. He's not I... actually a zombie. He got hit in the chest with a spike thing okay, and no blood came gonna, out. We're not... We're, we, we can't <laughs> sit here and discuss whether Zombie Mountain could actually rape this person. Um, yeah, it's a fictional <laughs> universe involving... The anatomy of a zombie. If George R. Martin says it can happen, the shit can happen. You know, like... So, yeah. Like, I don't think Zombie Mountain's a schemer. <laughs> So, can we entitle this episode <laughs> An Anatomy of a Zombie Mountain? You're both questioning Cersei's methods of torture and asking why she's not a better sociopath at the same time. <laughs> These are important points! <laughs> I would like her to be good. I like watching people who are good at what they do, okay? Yeah, she's not Ramsey That's why Ball. you watch the NBA instead of college basketball. Exactly. Whoa, bro. Thank you. College also, you're shit. It's Arizona State, so yeah, I wouldn't watch them either. They're a pile yeah, of trash. Yeah, they do some <laughs> major <laughs> loads of dick. Yeah, we don't do that stuff. We drink. Exactly. Um, but right. not play college basketball. You you drink, and you have a nine-foot-tall quarterback that won as a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, he did. That's true. Um, okay, so... You have a, well, you have uh, a fucking I would... quarterback with a Super Bowl ring? Who? Brock, Brock Osweiler. Osweiler. What are you, an idiot? 
Oh, and damn, we're going to edit this out, too. Okay. We're not editing this out. Manic gets, Manic gets chastised for not knowing that Brock Osweiler is a sun devil. We're adding circles to the Venn diagram, John. It's fine. That's the worst Consider fact I've learned chastised. all week. I mean that. I've learned many bad facts this week, but that's the worst one. Okay, so I, I would pour one out in honor of our late King Tommen, but I'm not as wasteful as Cersei. So let's move on to what Maddox, Maddox jumped to um, with my, my mistake earlier, which is Jamie, Jamie and Cersei in their current state. Wait, um, can we pause for one second? Yes. And can we talk about Tommen's suicide? Just because I thought he was so tactful of him to like stand at the window and he's like, I'm jumping out here. And he's like, wait... This stag crown is quite nice. I'm going to walk it back and place it on a table. And then I'm going to walk out and kill myself. I thought that was class. He's been classy the whole time he's been in this show. And I'm going to I'm gonna pour a little out for him. All right. All right. Yeah, it's fair. Tommen, Tommen was a poor, poor guy who uh, wound up, um, I, you know, 20,000 leagues over his head. Um, and, and yeah, took, took the easy way out there. Um, and don't really blame him, to be honest. No, I'm interested to see what Tommen's trajectory is in the books. Like, you mean off the balcony? Well, <laughs> yeah, no. His trajectory to the balcony specifically, like, he's for sure going to kill himself. I think that Cersei blows up the Sept near the end of book six. Okay. Um, it'll be, in, basically, will, like, that stuff that we saw a season ago where, like, Tommen actually marries Marjorie and she does the scheming, like... Will that show up in the books? Because that right. that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still maybe like, despite what I said earlier, it would still be nice if the Tyrells had something to do with something. <laughs> I think they will in the books, though, because they have two more characters. That's true, but but the, the, that could all be part of it. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little PTSD with the uh, the Doran incident. Also, like, wait a minute, how many pages? How many pages? <laughs> Well, no, I feel like maybe the showrunners were like, okay, so we're just going to roll the... Like, we're not going to try the Tyrells because we fucked up Dorne so bad. So we'll just yeah. roll those two into Danny's army and call it a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we met. Um, in in your universe of only seeing the show and not, not reading the books, um, how would you characterize the reign of King Tommen? Um, <laughs> honestly... As a show watcher, it was way more interesting when Joffrey was king. Like, Tommen was actually the worst. I could not stand watching him. At least with Joffrey, it's like, okay, he's terrible, he's a horrible human being, but interesting things are happening constantly, whereas Tommen is just walking around, being a giant bitch all the time, getting manipulated. It's just like, it's so cringeworthy to watch. It, It was worse than Joffrey for me to watch watching Tommen. What? Wait. Did you just say here. that Tommen is worse than Joffrey? No, watching Tommen is worse than Joffrey. Okay. Let me jump in here. If Tommen was the king during a time of peace, he was one of those kings that could have reigned for 40 years in the Game of Thrones universe. Could have reigned for 40 years and everyone would have fucking loved. That, like, That's my honest opinion on Tommen. Like, because everything that we've learned about this universe says that the best kings were the fucking idiots that just tried to appease everybody 
and like made it so that people didn't go to war. And I think Tama would have been one of those kings. He was just king at a really <laughs> shitty time. What the so fuck? he was kind of like his great grandpa, the uh, the guy who got walked all over and oh, come and on, and drowned people in caves. Are you shitting yeah. me? He's like a twelve year old child. Yeah, no, but I'm saying he like. Like, no, would he have been, like, would he have, like, made, like, major societal change? Like, fuck no, but, like, he would have been fine. Like, the Mad King and, like, Joffrey are their standards for shitty. Like, Tom just would have sat there and let people do what they do. And, I don't like, think you can actually say that, because, like, I feel like he became king and he was, like, 11 years old. So it's like, how do you know what he's gonna do? I think that was kind of the point. He was like a puppet king. He Were you a optimistic real about Tommen's reign, Yax? It sounds like it. As as no, I was not optimistic <laughs> at all because he wasn't a human. It was it was not Tommen's reign at all. It was Cersei's reign, and then it was Marjorie's reign, and then it was the High Sparrow's reign. I think that's pretty clear with how it develops. Like these people are just manipulating this small child because he's a child. Like I feel like there's it's like indeterminate of his personality <laughs> okay i don't i don't think we were blaming tom too much i think you're correct that he would have just been manipulated forever because i don't think you can really break out of that once you've been doing it for 10 years half your life okay so i think we can all agree that Tommen would have been the best ruler in the history of westeros had he lived um so let's go yep. ahead and move on to uh to the kind of the, the finale scene there in king's landing where um, Jamie and Bronn come back from where they were at the Twins, and they come in just in time, because this season could be called the just-in-time season of Game of Thrones, um, and just in time to watch Cersei uh, coronated as the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, which we'll get into that, why that's a misnomer later. But um, the look on Jamie's face was certainly not proud, um, and wasn't even particularly happy um so we met you want to start us off what did you think about um just the way that jamie was taking that scene in um yeah no he looked like he he was not prepared for everything that was taking place i mean you're talking about when he kind of gets back to king's landing or wait which scene are we talking about here yes when he gets back to king's landing and sees cersei being crowned yeah no he was not particularly pleased about that he um Basically, everything had completely gone to shit since he'd left. He did everything he could leading up to leaving to try and kind of stabilize things, to get things back in the Lannister name. He tried to, and you know, essentially invade the High Sparrow, and that all went to hell because uh, Tommen and company. Um, and yeah, it was just... While the Lannisters are back in power, I think basically everything he didn't want to happen happened. I think the Kingslayer is going to live up to his name. Queenslayer. Yep. Like, <laughs> Jamie's going to kill Cersei. Yeah. Like, that's I just going to happen. The two of us were really adamant about that. I think, I, I don't know if anyone else is on board. No, I think it fits It fits a lot of things. Um, yeah. Even some extra prophecy bits from the book. Um, but the, the I, I mean, the biggest, the easiest explanation is that Cersei did she just did literally the exact same thing the Mad King was going to do when Jamie decided to stab him. <laughs> yeah, Jamie 
isn't going to take too kindly that. And neither are the people at King's Landing. Like, I think we're going to talk about what winter has come means later, because that's something I want to talk about. But basically, to sum up Cersei's role in that, in my theory, um, she's going to have a really shitty rule. Yeah, all 25 days of it. If you watch that scene again, the faces that they pan across to get to Jamie are not happy faces. They're mostly terrified faces <laughs> yeah. of who the hell is this monster that is now taking the Iron Throne. She blew up the Sept of <laughs> Baylor and killed everyone that the common folk liked. And now she's like, I'm your queen. I think what's really great about um, that scene because, like, we don't know a lot of the periphery information. Like, we don't know if Jamie knows how Tommen died. So it's like, if you think, like, what's going through his mind? Like, did Cersei eat my son? Like, <laughs> because that's what it seems like. Like, she just ate him. Like, she's like, nope. And he might, and that, that alone might have been a realization for him. He might have been like, you know, Considering the fact that I think there's a non-zero chance that Cersei ate our child, maybe I shouldn't sleep with this woman anymore. And that, and that is when I like when you were asking like Weems, like, oh, what did you think about how he was looking? I was like, it looks like he thinks you ate their only living son. <laughs> That's what I, I, I hope meant that... to say. I just I couldn't <laughs> say as concisely as you did. I hope that to open next season, Jamie just asks her that right off the bat. Just the Cersei, first scene. Did did you eat Tommen? <laughs> Tommen? And she's like, well, not technically. <laughs> you know lions eat their young. Oh, that um, is amazing. That's me. Well, not true. <laughs> but not um, true, yeah, but also not true. <laughs> okay, so so the one the the sort of last thought that I want to get into here um, in King's Landing is Related to the reason that I didn't think that they would nuke King's Landing. Um, so, now that Cersei is in power... Um, Maybe dragons eat their young. We should discuss that. Is there... that? There's one alliance that I can see coming that would make them more than at least a small speed bump on Danny's way up north. Um, but, but in general, the Lannisters are screwed, right? Yeah, Danny's gonna kill them dead. Um, can we talk about what winter has come means in this kind of context yet? Sure. I know you okay. want to, so let's get to it. Okay. So basically, I've had this theory for kind of a while in reading the books. Um, that, you know, <laughs> I mean, the Stark's words are winter is coming. And whenever Northerners talk to Southerners, they're like, you don't know winter, and you don't know anything about what cold is, and you don't know anything about what snow is. And there's this kind of theme that winter is much shittier than people that don't know what winter is think that winter is, um, which was a really convoluted way of saying that. But it's basically... Uh, winter is summer. worse than other people can imagine. Yes. Um, and I think that that coincides with the Stark's enemies dying. Um we saw that once Winter arrived in the show, Arya slit Walder Frey's throat. Um, and I, I think that the fact that Cersei starts her rule at like the very beginning of Winter means that Cersei's going to have a really, really, really shitty rule. Like the the people hate her. Um, first because of the walk, second because she blew up the Sept, which they all loved. 
And then, you know, so we'll probably see like three to four episodes of people hating Cersei, followed by Cersei's uh, King's Landing getting invaded by dragons and her dying in some kind of gruesome way that's going to just be fucking awesome to behold. I like that idea. I think I think the theory fits well, um, you know, that no one is prepared for the winter, especially given um, all the indications that this winter is going to be worse than any, perhaps, since the long night. Um, so, yeah, so let's let's wrap up the King's Landing portion of the podcast uh, just by kind of giving an, a lay of the land, because I, I almost laughed myself when Cersei was taking the crown and being announced as the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, because... <laughs> We know that Dorne and, and the Reach are allied against her. Um, so that's two kingdoms that she doesn't have anymore. Um, the Stormlands, I don't even know who's running anymore. We talked about this last week, where Gendry is just making some armor by himself there for now. Yeah, he, he's apparently technically the leader of both the Stormlands, and he's actually the technical king of uh, the Seven Kingdoms, if you're following the right. law, so fuck it. Um, and then the Vale in the North are now allied and certainly opposing the Lannisters. So when they say the Queen of the Seven Kingdoms, that's that's kind of a gross exaggeration. And I think that when when Danny does arrive, um, the Lannister, I mean, the, the Lannisters have a strong army, but they've been at war for a long time, and Danny's army is absolutely massive right now. Yeah, so I think I think that the Lannisters, uh, in power by name out of power in essentially every other way. Yeah. No, they have, I mean, they're, they're, they command the seven kingdoms in that, like, sure. She, she owns the chair that the person that used to own the command, the seven kingdoms owned, like that's her claim to the throne. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the King's landing portion of this podcast. And we'll go ahead and move over now into, uh, the rest of the finale, a second part of the podcast to make sure that we don't run out of time. So uh, just give us one second here and go ahead and load up the next podcast and we will get started there. (laughs) 